Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler. Hello and welcome if you're joining us for the first time and welcome back if you are a regular listener, which I hope you are or will become because this show is dedicated to you so that you can learn more and more about how to have healthy, mature, wise, emotionally intimate relationships. And today that's a big topic because we're going to talk about being emotionally intimate. And uh, if you have any questions, I'm here for you. Remember that this is a live show. You can call in. The number is 888-627-6008. So don't miss the opportunity, 888 888- Six two seven six zero zero eight, and call in with your questions at any time because that's the focus of the show. Yes, I want to give you all kinds of great information, and so do my guests. But I want you to get what you really need in this hour, and the only way I can provide that is if you call in. And you know, you don't have to give your real name when the screener asks. Just talk to me, and let's do that. But. No matter what, even if you're feeling a little bit unsure, do call because that's how you can demonstrate that you are important and you will get your questions answered. So remember that, 888-627-6008. And today we're going to talk about intimacy. Woo! I mean, for many people, that word just goes, uh, <laughs> you just kind of contract and say, well, what is intimacy? And am I safe with intimacy? And is that only about sex? And no, it isn't. And that's what I really want to emphasize today. My my guest today is Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. She's a sex and intimacy expert. So in the middle of the program, she's going to join us and you can ask her your questions. It's going to be really juicy. But from my part in the show today, I want to talk about emotional intimacy. And do you have it in your life right now? You know, emotional intimacy where you're really safe in a relationship, where you can be your real self. You know, long ago, there was a phrase that said where you can let your hair down because ladies always wore their hair up and down meant in the boudoir. But where you can let your hair down, put your feet up, relax, and um, and there's no judgment. You can say something. You can share something. You can try on an idea or a feeling, and you're safe. That's when you know you're in an emotionally intimate relationship. And safety promotes intimacy. If you tell someone that you're afraid of the dark, for example, you want to be sure that they're not going to share that with all their friends 
or they're not going to bring it up at awkward moments at a dinner party, or that they're not going to lie and wait for you in the dark and scare you to quote unquote, help you get over it. There's no safety in that. None. And that will ruin things faster than anything. So where are you safe in relationships? Big question. You need to be in at least one relationship where you are 100% safe. So ask yourself for a minute, which relationship is that for me? And go a little deeper. Am I really safe or am I hoping to be safe? There's a big difference there. If you're really safe, you know without a shadow of a doubt that that person will accept you and acknowledge you and be there for you and they won't spill your secrets and they won't make you wrong for having a feeling. They'll be curious and be willing to explore it with you. That's emotional intimacy. And I like the way the author Susan Campbell wrote in one of her books years ago. She said that intimacy is really four little words, in, to, me, see, that we are safe enough to open the doors of our deepest self and let someone see in. And I don't know about you, but I have had experiences and I know many of my clients have had experiences where they opened that door too early and someone made them want to snap it shut and it stayed shut for a long time. And they were suffering because they didn't have the openness to creating intimacy because they had a fear of what had happened to them before. And that's why you need often to get some help. You know, strong people get help, weak people don't. Strong people say, I'm important enough to get the help I need to have the best life possible. And as I've said before, if you're having a problem in your couple's life, the Gottman Institute, who they do so much research, they said that a couple will live with a problem. Really, this is the research. A couple will live with a problem for up to six years before they'll get any help. Six wasted years. Come on, folks. <laughs> That's your life going by. And if you have something going on within you that you feel you need help with, get it now. Don't wait for six years or six months even. You matter. You really matter. Demonstrate that by getting some help. So those four little words, into me see. Who do you have that familiarity and safety with? that you can trust with your innermost thoughts and feelings. I hope that one of the people is your partner. If not, there's work to do because that's what you want from your partner. You want to have intimacy, right? So are you safe to let your partner see into your mind and into your heart and into your soul? And if not, why not? What's going on? What's the barrier? Is it something in the relationship? Is it something in one of you? You both deserve to have the absolute best relationship possible. You really do. So don't settle. Don't settle for, oh, well, I guess I'll have to just go and talk to my friend about it. If you can't talk to your partner, something's amiss. 
So, you know, I've heard people say, you've got friends for that. You don't need your partner. Well, sure. You know, I, I certainly don't take my partner to buy clothes with me. Or I don't expect that he's going to be really interested in going to see a chick flick, although occasionally he does. But that's what friends are for. Deep emotional intimacy can be with friends, but it must be with your partner. Otherwise, you're just going to have maybe an amicable companionship that has some sex in it and is really more like a roommate. And that's not what you signed up for, is it? No, you wanted the full rich experience and I want you to have it. So I want to give you some tips to get it. So if you're not emotionally safe with your partner, you have an area to enrich your relationship. You know what you need to work on. And I have a client, had a client actually, who so wanted to open up to his wife, but he just couldn't. And as we worked together, I could really see and feel the pain that he had of having to close down from such a sad, dysfunctional and abusive childhood and teenage life that even though he wanted to open that door, he didn't have the key. And, you know, as I wrote about in my book, Kaizen for Couples, it's on Amazon. Kaizen is K-A-I-Z-E-N for couples. We all have a deep need to be seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. Seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. We want that, and we need that from our partners. So this fellow really did want to have that. I mean, that was a deep desire of his, and his wife was desperate to give it to him, but he couldn't receive it. He couldn't receive it yet. But we did some work. And because he came from that dysfunctional and abusive uh, background, he had to learn to be hypervigilant in that state and to, to know. And what I helped him with was to know that hypervigilance is a tool you can have in your toolbox that you can count on yourself to find if you really need it. But that's no way to live your life. You don't want to be looking over your shoulders all the time and, and, you know, really second guessing everybody. And if you happen to be with a hijackal, they want you to second guess yourself. So you don't want to have to be hypervigilant in your primary relationship with your partner. And so no one could really be trusted for him. No one was really somebody that he felt liked him enough, loved him enough, because love was something he surely needed help to understand, loved him enough to actually be there for him. And we had to do some work around that. So, of course, there's no magic switch. I wish there were when a dysfunctional childhood and teenage was over. I wish we had a switch, a reset button that said, okay, let's learn how to be a functional adult. Let's learn how to make this all happen in a new way, to be open to a new partner. No. That doesn't happen. There is no magic. And most folks go into marriage with their hopes and their dreams and, and their hormones, all focused on the happily ever after. And you'll remember from uh, the episode in this program uh, that, that there is no magic. And we, yet we want to believe the magic. Of course we do. It's, it's wonderful. It's something that we long for um, for a moment. But let's think about magic. That's fabulous sleight of hand magician up in Vegas. 
the one that delights you. He didn't wake up one morning and just be able to do that. No, he learned it. He studied it. He practiced it. He made mistakes. He was embarrassed. He, he, he made public errors. Then he practiced and practiced. And finally he got it right. And it seemed like second nature. And that's what relationships that are healthy actually have to go through. It's just like practicing magic. So you're not born knowing this. And for many of us, we have great role models at home. They show us how to be a man and how to be a woman, how to be a man and woman in relationship. It's pretty functional. And some of us had adequate role models. So we just kind of made it through. We, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. But we made it through. And others, like my client, had really poor ones, ones that really tore at him and tore him down and wore him down and put him down. And so he never felt safe. And when you don't feel safe, your fear of intimacy just rises exponentially. So you can learn relationship skills, but it starts within you, not within the relationship. That's the good news because we can work together and we can have these problems solved. We can have new strategies. We can have new insights about the stuff that we want to leave behind and the stuff that we want to welcome into our life. So it starts with that intimate knowledge of yourself. And you have to be willing to look deeply and getting help on the journey is wise. And because I work through internet video, I, can, I have clients all over the world, and I'd love to help you too. So you have to do a deep dive into who you are, what you want, and what needs to change in order for you to get what you want. And if you want to experience emotional intimacy, you have to become open to it and willing to accept it from others with knowing that you're safe and that you can trust and that you can love. And if you've had experiences in your life where people made you feel inadequate, that maybe people were manipulative or controlling or cruel, as a child, that's what you knew. That's what you came to believe about yourself, what they had to say about you. And, you know, it's absolutely unlikely that it's true. And yet you may be still operating at that deep, deep level from those mistaken things that were said to you by people who did not have emotional intimacy to model. So the good news is that you can learn all these things. You can get help. You can find someone like me to walk with you over time and change and replace the things that didn't serve you into things that will help you welcome emotional intimacy. And we have to learn balance, the balance between autonomy and intimacy and mutuality and authenticity. And that those are things that I help you work on because those are the things that we really need to know about. And that learning takes practice. We want that someone to know us and hear us and reach deep into our souls. That's the intimacy. I like what Harriet Lerner wrote in her kind of old book now called The Dance of Intimacy. Let me read it to you. She said, 
real closeness occurs most reliably not when it is pursued or demanded in a relationship, but when both individuals work consistently on their own selves. Both individuals work consistently on their own selves. That's why when I work with a couple, I do it in packages and I work with the individuals and I work with a couple because that's what allows us to grow into a relationship that is fulfilling and loving and juicy and wonderful and curious and learning and leading. Oh, there's so much. I don't think there's anything better than the absolute excitement of creating a fabulous relationship with your partner. However, we tend to put it on the back burner. We tend to say, oh, well, now I have this partner now let me go and do things in the world and, and create things and be things. And we get swept up, of course, with the day-to-day -day jobs and children and all that. But never lose sight of the fact that you have the opportunity of creating what I call a world-class relationship with your partner. And that takes focus, attention, and time. Don't give your relationship the remains of the day as the uh, novel and the movie says. Don't give your relationship the leftover time. Give your relationship prime time. Time to talk together, walk together, be together, learn. That's what's soul satisfying. That's what's going to work for you. That's where you're going to find the juice. So back to Harriet Lerner. Real closeness occurs most reliably, not when pursued or demanded in a relationship, but when both individuals work consistently on their own selves. That's where the work starts. Now, just a caveat, if you're with a relentlessly difficult person, a hijackal, remember, that's my trademark term. If you haven't heard it before, a hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship for his or her own purposes while relentlessly scavenging it for power, status, and control. If you happen to be with a hijackal, then there's going to be an issue. And you can see our guest has just joined us and we're going to go to a break in a minute. But just before we go, if you happen to be with a hijackal, then you need to find out for sure. Go and get my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal, at hijackals.com because you need to know. Okay, so if you're with one, you need to find out. If you're not with one, you need to go deeply within yourself to create the possibility of having intimacy. And we're going to be back in a moment with the fabulous Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, all the way from London. She's going to talk to us about the juicy subjects of sex and intimacy. And you don't want to miss this. So we'll be right back. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. 
I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Wow, here we are. I promised you it's going to be great. Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, the sex and intimacy coach from London, is here. Hi, Dr. Lori Beth. Hi, Roberta. How are you? Oh, so good and all the better for having you on the show today. Let me tell people a little bit about you. I'm going to read it right from your bio. Dr. Lori Beth is a sex and intimacy coach and a registered psychologist who has worked with individuals, couples, and polyamorous groups for the past 30 years to help them explore their sexuality, discover a deeper level of sexual congruence, heal from past sexual trauma, as well as create more exciting, authentic sexual relationships. See, I told you it was going to be juicy. She is both polyamorous and kink knowledgeable. <laughs> Dr. Lori Beth hosts two popular podcasts on sex, two blogs, and is a regular contributor to a variety of media on sex, sexuality, and healing. She sees people worldwide just as I do. So this is exciting, Dr. Lori Beth. So what's the thing you're most excited about right now? Um, I think right now um, I'm part of a campaign called I Talk Sex, and it's all about getting people to recognize that talking about sex and sexuality is an essential part of life, and it's what allows us to become authentic, and it's what allows us to, to free up and be able to enjoy our sex lives, and it's particularly devoted to women. And so that's what's exciting me the most right at the moment, because women have been coming out and telling different stories about why their sex and their sexuality is so important to them. So it's been that's fantastic. Great. That sounds like a really positive approach, because how many times do people come forward and say why and how their sex life is contributing? Most people come and say, my sex life is awful. How do I change it? So what a nice approach. And how did you get into talking about sex? Um, I think I started talking about sex when I first started working with people. I, um, being bisexual myself, having so having an alternative sexuality, particularly at the time, was seen as a bit more alternative than it is now. I didn't feel like there were many spaces where I could express who I was. So I started creating spaces so that I would be able to also talk. Um, and I've actually never found it difficult to talk about sex. It's always seemed to me as just a natural part of life. But I noticed that the people who came to see me found it almost impossible to speak and more so impossible to speak to the people that they wanted to be having sex with or mm -hmm. that they were having sex with. Right. It does seem to be something that some, some cultures and certainly a lot of families keep a bit taboo. You know, we don't even talk, well, it's better now, as you say, but, you know, there were, there are lots of times for even my generation where uh, you just didn't talk about it. And if you were having sex and you weren't married, then you really didn't talk about yeah. it. 
Absolutely. So those things get passed along, even even if we don't think they're being passed along, they're passed along just by the way we have demonstrate our attitudes towards mm-hmm. things. And, and people can get quite bound up, not meaning that in an S&M kind of way, but get kind of, kind of bound up emotionally with that. So how do you address sex in a relationship? How do you really get to do that talking about it? I mean, I think the first thing is to understand what you need, what you desire within your sex life. And if you're already in a relationship, that can feel really daunting. It can feel really frightening to explore for yourself because if you realize that you want different things from your partner, it can feel like that might be the end of everything. I'd like to tell people that's not necessarily the end. It could be the beginning, right? (laughs) It could be the beginning of a completely new sexual relationship with your partner. And so I encourage people to take things a step at a time instead of going from A to Z to actually start to explore personally. Once you've done some personal exploration, then you need to look at improving your communication and your trust with your partner. Okay. Let me just ask a question. What is that self-exploration? So self-exploration is to really figure out what it is you want and desire. And there are a whole bunch of ways that I go about this with people um, from having them actually explore erotica and things to look at what actually stands out to just getting people to talk about what they already know they desire, but they can't really look at. Mm -hmm. People who are interested in kink, for example, can feel incredibly ashamed and can find it really difficult to even admit to themselves what they're desiring, let alone talk to somebody else. So the idea is to get them to start to talk about it with me because I'm not gonna judge them and then to move that to a partner. Right. Well, some people can't even say what they'd like to have in bed, right? I mean, just the simplest things about what brings them more pleasure. So for many people, that is the first step to being able to develop some level of safety or intimacy. And somewhere along the line, um, they've learned that you don't ask for what you want. So how do you address that? So, I mean, you start out with telling people that actually... I mean, my favorite saying is closed mouths do not get fed, right? So if you don't ask and you rely on your partner to read your mind and hopefully maybe do what it is you want, the chances are you're not going to get what you want. And that becomes frustrating for you and also frustrating for them. So you have to start learning to talk about it. So usually that's starting with shame busting because that's the reason people don't ask. It's embarrassing. Um, or they've been told that this is particular to women are often told that their pleasure doesn't matter in many, many ways. And so they, they think that what they're supposed to do is just go along with what a male partner wants. Yeah. And I, I would add to that because, you know, I'm not a sex therapist, but I would think that, that being women not talking about what they want and not allowing themselves to have that freedom also goes hand in hand with what they don't ask for in life. Yes. Right. It's just another extension most of the time. Um, So it's really first find your voice. The other thing is to understand what, how your partner might respond. And so sometimes people have good reasons for not asking for what they want. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, if they're in a relationship that is not a good relationship, if they're in a relationship with somebody who's a hijackal, then asking for what you want is problematic. Sure, it's an opening to be put down. That's right. And and so in those situations, you want to identify that first before I'm encouraging them to ask for what they want. I want to know what their relationship looks like so that I don't set them up to fail. And then they have to figure out what they want to do about the relationship. In other relationships, um, sex is used as a battering ram. It's a tool. No pun intended. No, probably pun intended because often that's what it's like. So it's, it's important to, to make sure that the space is going to be safe if they're going to start expressing themselves. Absolutely. I mean, any kind of intimacy, emotional, sexual intimacy has to have its basis in safety. None of us are, are, if we're smart, are going to open ourselves up to being crushed or to being put down. So you're right. I agree with you 100%. And I was saying earlier before you joined the show, Lori, um, that each one of us has to do the work on ourselves first. Yeah, we can't really be intimate with anybody until we're intimate with ourselves. And so you brought up the hijackal. So I want to just ask a question uh, and then we'll get back to the topic. Um, Hijackals seem to have a greater interest, you know, prorated over the number of hijackals in things that are sexual, pornographic, fetishes, uh, different kinds of sexual preferences. Have you noticed that? I'm not sure I've noticed that so much as they have, um, because they're not using sex as a bridge to intimacy or simply to increase pleasure, they explore more because they look for ways in which to use it. So sometimes some of them use sex almost addictively. Um, and for the most part, I don't, I, I don't like a term. I, I don't use the term sexual addiction because I don't like it. But when I say addictively, they, they use sex in a way to manage other feelings for themselves, to get other sorts of satisfaction and pleasure, not sexual satisfaction and pleasure. So they're using it improperly. Um, or they act out by using sex. And so I think when you're doing it, doing those things, then you have a higher number of fetishes and a higher number of kinks and, and differences because you have to look through a whole wide range because you run through things quite quickly because it's not about pleasure per se. Right. And also with a hijackal, everything is about power and control mm-hmm. and, and manipulation. So it's really important for us to know how to speak up or how to uh, make sure that sex is not being used as a manipulative tool. So how do you do that? I think you have to first find your voice. And what you were saying earlier is so important. If you don't know you, if you are not comfortable with you, then it's going to be really hard for you to find your voice. So you have to know what you really do desire. You also have to know what you don't desire and what kinds of sexual activity make you uncomfortable. Now, you can always change this decision later. So you don't make decisions forever. But when you're starting in a relationship, you need to know what are the areas for you that are comfortable 
for intimacy, that safe sexual intimacy, and watch the way the person that you're with behaves. If sex is used to manipulate, it can be fairly obvious fairly quickly. So I have sex with you only when you do what I want. I have sex with you only in the ways that I want. I, I grab the power and it has to be my way or the highway. I only praise you if you do the things I want. If you don't, I diminish you. I humiliate you. I mean, so there, those are like really obvious things when you're watching for them. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I made a big mistake in my life. Um, it was a big learning mistake, but a big mistake. I was in relationship with a hijackle because I was raised by hijackles. My family, my father's family is a pack of hijackles and my mother was a hijackle. So I got to see this all. And so therefore, quite unconsciously, I, at a young age, I became hijackle bait. Um, I attracted hijackles because they were familiar. You know, there was something about it. So I attracted this person into my life and uh, I didn't notice, you know, I thought that he was, you know, he was, he was sweet and interesting and everything. And at one point he said to me, after we became intimate and we'd been together for a while, he said, you are a hundred percent responsible for me not getting prostate cancer. We have to have sex twice a day. And I said to him, whoa, Buckwheat, you know, I am not responsible for your health. <laughs> and uh, that's not an edict that I'm going to live with. So there's an example of the manipulation that we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Yes. Or I won't have an orgasm unless you do exactly what I tell you. And, and the things that the person is asking for are outside the norm outside your comfort zone. The reality is if, for example, you want to get involved in BDSM or you want to get involved in a fetish, that's something you need to negotiate. And that's mm-hmm. something you've discussed before you're in the bedroom and nobody should be putting pressure or manipulating in that circumstance. And when you start to hear things like, this is the only way it works for me mm-hmm. with guilt and pressure, you, your hackle should stand up and you should be thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, where's the negotiation in that? Where And where am I in that? And that's the other thing. Where are you? It's one thing, there are people who get involved in fetishes about objectification. Yes. Again, that's usually something that is negotiated and it's usually quite a long negotiation. But if you feel in your relationship that you are constantly being objectified, that you don't exist within the sex... They're not paying attention to what you like. They're not paying attention to what you want. They're not paying attention when you're going, ooh, ow, that actually isn't very comfortable. Yeah, or when you're saying no. Or when you're saying no. (laughs) Those are huge, huge red lights. Yeah, they certainly are. And sometimes, you know, speaking culturally again, particularly like, you know, I was born in Canada. I live in the United States. Um, Sometimes we're, as women, we're kind of taught to go with it, you know, like, don't speak up, don't do anything, you know, please the guy. I remember when I was in high school, I honestly did this, Laurie Beth, I went to the library and I got a book and the book existed and it was called How to Please Men. Yep. 
And it told me that I should be able to spout football scores. I should listen to them talk. I should be seen and not heard. I mean, it, it gave all those things. Now, I guess it was an old book, but, <laughs> you know, that came from that culture. But you say that, but actually women are still being taught that, which is what's so frightening to me. Well, young, that's what, yeah. young women are still being taught that it is about how they're perceived, what they look like during sex, which I always find completely bizarre because most people don't look beautiful while they're having sex. If you're having it right, you should be abandoned and you might look beautiful in your lover's eyes because you're so engrossed in your pleasure. But if I took a photograph of your face, <laughs> no, and, you know, you're going to be sweating. I mean, if you're having good sex, you should get messed up physically. You shouldn't look like you just put your makeup on and it stays there and everything like, like a perfect. porn flick yeah but that's what women are still being taught that mm -hmm. that how you look is more important and that there are ways to satisfy men and these are the things that you should be doing and we still don't have the conversation about well what about your pleasure yeah it's a big deal i think it was only maybe 20 25 years ago i went to a workshop for women that i was supposed to be so enlightened and leading edge and i on the second day the uh, woman who was running the workshop turned the day over to her husband and he started telling us how it ought to be and then he did a guided imagery of going through our bodies and he he got to uterus and i I, I, I guffawed right in the middle of his great serious <laughs> visualization. I said, you don't have one. Don't talk to me about it. Right. <laughs> and he, and he, he had the most outrageous things. And he told me, he told us all how many men sent him gadgets for his vintage cars and everything to say, thank you because he had taught the women how to please the men. And that was the red lipstick and blowjob business, you know. I walked out. I, I could not take another moment of it. But that's not that long ago. No, and actually there's still um, an attitude about, you know, how to get a husband, for example. Um, at that still employs, you know, these are the 10 things that you need to do. And it's one thing to say, these are things that will drive your man wild, or these are things that will drive your woman wild. That's great. That's fine. But not in a kind of prescriptive way. And there is still this really prescriptive attitude as to the things that one needs to do in order to have the chance at the perfect husband, which I just, I mean, it makes me shiver. Yeah. Because if you don't have your voice and you don't know what you want and you don't figure out what you desire, your sex life will be blah if it exists at all after having kids. And that's the moment when one of these men who have been getting it all their way all the time, at that moment, they start to tell you that you're boring. Mm -hmm. and, and then instead of bothering to tell you that, they just act out. And if they happen to be a hijackal, they've always had supply in the wings. Sorry to tell you, but if you're with a hijackal, you're not the only one. They cannot stand to not have other people who are at least prospects waiting to move on to. So when the sex gets, in their terms, boring, and in your terms, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, 
that gets very confusing for people and they come and they say, whatever happened to my relationship? I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do and everything that every article I ever read on your tango and various other places told me to do and it's not working. It's not giving me the result that I want. And I just want to remind everybody, I'm talking with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, the sex and intimacy coach. You can find her at the dash intimacy dash coach.com and you want to go there and make sure that you stay in touch with her so you can learn all kinds of things the dash intimacy dash coach.com and she's going to be here after the break so do stay tuned we've got questions call in at 888-627-6008 and we'll be right back Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Sex. Wow, that's what we're talking about today, and sex with intimacy. Sex without intimacy is a whole other thing, isn't it, Dr. Lori Beth? It is. Um, and I'm not going to rubbish it because I like people to really think about um, enjoying things and their pleasure. And plenty of people have sex without emotional intimacy and it's nothing to be judged for. But sex with emotional intimacy is amazing. And yeah. <laughs> that level of openness really allows you to go places that you can't go if you have no emotional intimacy with your partner. No. And, and, you know, putting together all that you've said and what I said before you joined the show, it's really important to understand that you get to deal with the things within you that are preventing you from having that emotional intimacy. And that can be changed. So, you know, when you work with someone like Dr. Lori Beth or you work with me, we all see you on the Internet. So we can see you wherever you are. Don't worry about that. And it's all very, very safe and private and confidential. But, you know, you're listening to Dr. Lori Beth tell you that you have the right to express what it is you want. And if there's something holding you back in the bedroom, go talk to Dr. Lori Beth because that's why she's there. And, you know, again, the-intimacy-coach.com. Go find her and find the things that she has there for you. But it's important when we can't combine sex and intimacy. What do you have to say about someone, a listener who might say, but I enjoy one night stands. I enjoy sex without commitments or friends with benefits. What do you say about that? Well, it's interesting because friends with benefits actually often does have emotional intimacy. It's a kind of, it, it's a lot of people develop relationships with friends where they 
feel safe, where they feel emotionally safe, which is why they end up with the friends with benefits. And I'm always interested in how many people start out that way and then actually develop a full-blown relationship later because they've been sleeping with their best friend over a period of time and they suddenly realize, wow, actually there's more here. But the other kinds of things, one night stands, for me, the big issue is know what it is you're getting out of it. So if you go and you have lots of one night stands and you are enjoying yourself and you don't feel ashamed and you don't feel embarrassed and you're taking care of yourself. So you're not taking ridiculous risks by, you know, having a one night stand with somebody you met five minutes ago who might be dangerous or not using appropriate protection and not having safe sex, then that's great. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people who have one night stands aren't doing that. They're having one night stands where they're taking huge risks. And, and they're, they're, ser they're searching for intimacy sometimes too. Yeah. And if you're searching for intimacy, that, that's not going to happen there. It's rare that you have a one night stand with someone who you develop a long-term intimate relationship with. It just doesn't work. It's like you've kind of stripped naked really quickly. And then most people's reactions to stripping naked really quickly, emotionally as well, is to put their clothes on and button up because they feel uncomfortable because they've overshared. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. that kind of gets in the way of that. But if you're if you're looking for just a good time, I encourage people to explore whether that's really what they're looking for and to make sure that they're not punishing themselves or they're not acting out against something internal somebody's mm -hmm. characterization of them. So them, for example, like if mother or father has said, you know, you're, you're dirty, you're a whore, you're a slut. And so you're acting that out. Make mm -hmm. sure that's not what you're doing because then it creates long-term damage. And let's talk about the other side of that. You know, if you've been sexualized as a child through abuse and you, you've had that experience that, you know, you're attractive to your father, for instance, and there's shame involved and there's confusion involved and you've become uh, uh, sexualized. I'll just use that mm -hmm. term. Uh, you can go through a whole period of your life with leading with sexuality when you're looking for intimacy. Well, that's the way you've learned to be intimate. Exactly. So it, 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 it's, it, it becomes seen as the same thing. Um, and it's it, it, it usually takes some therapeutic work to disentangle that. Yeah, I agree. Because so, people don't find intimacy that way. So they end up adding more trauma on top of the childhood trauma and feeling more guilty and more ashamed and worse about themselves and still not finding the intimacy that they're craving. Right. So in the last three minutes that we have together, I want to ask you another question. How does a person who would like to consider um, enjoying another person in the relationship, either bringing that person into the relationship or having an external relationship, how does somebody broach that topic with a partner? If you're going to broach that topic with a partner, you need to make sure that you're broaching it in a way that lets the partner know it's not because you don't think they're enough. So I often recommend that people go with, to, go with a partner to watch a movie where there's a threesome or go with a partner, sit down with a partner and read erotica to each other where there's a threesome. Bring your fantasy up to them. 
Don't talk about a reality that you want just yet. Talk about the fantasy, gauge their response, and then deal with any insecurities that come up. And then once it's been made okay and it becomes a communal fantasy, then you can look at broaching actually doing it in real life. That's a really good point. I, li- I like that that um, progression. <laughs> um, you know, if you are listening to this program and we're talking about very real things and maybe what we just talked about made you go, oh, that's terrible. You should never consider that kind of thing. Look a little deeper. You know, maybe, in fact, you're uncomfortable with that. Maybe, in fact, you're fascinated by it and you're upset that you're fascinated by it. Have a good look at all of those pieces of that puzzle. Because this whole idea of intimacy and sex is something that we kind of put on the back burner often. We don't want to focus on it. And yet it's such a health-giving thing when it's done in a healthy, emotionally and physically way, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's, it gives extra energy. It, it's health-giving. It's life-giving. It raises your whole tone, your whole emotional state, your whole attitude in the world when you have a good sex life. Yeah. And who wouldn't want to have a good sex life, right? I mean, is there somebody out there saying, I want to have a terrible, demeaning, diminished, um, non-existent sex life? Well, yeah, there are. No, no, but there are people out there who think it's not important. And they say that to cover the hurt, hurt that they have often, that they don't have a great sex life that they can enjoy. So it's sort of, oh, it's not important anymore. Exactly. And, you know, we're not promoting sex. We're not demoting sex here. We're just talking about it. And I hope that you will start talking about it within yourself. You know, what do I really think about this? You know, were there moments when I wanted to turn this show off? (laughs) Um, Were there moments when I got deeply interested and I was embarrassed that I was even interested? Or did I find this fascinating and I'm going to take it on and think more deeply about that? So before we go, What's one nugget that you can give everybody about how to think about their sexuality in a healthier way? Remember that it's just one part of you and get rid of the shame surrounding it. So start with looking at the things about your own sex life and your sexuality that are easy for you and focus on that joy. And then as soon as you hit something that causes shame, look deeper. But if you start with that positive place and remember that this is an integrated part of you, it will be easier to shame bust. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Lori Beth, for being with us today. My pleasure. So Dr. Lori Beth from uh, London, England has been with us and now she's off to do whatever people do at this time of day (laughs) in uh, beautiful London town. And we've been talking about intimacy and you long for it, but it may be eluding you. And that may be because you're incapable of creating it just now. Maybe there's something holding you back. Maybe there's something that is just beyond your fingertips. Maybe you've been told you're not supposed to think about it. Maybe you've been told that that it's not what nice people do. Or maybe you have some belief system that has given you some instruction to say that it's not nice. Um, It's human. 
you have a body. Did you notice that? <laughs> You're not just cut off at the neck. You come with a full body, and uh, and it's it's an important thing to take care of it, to revitalize it. And I don't want you to be fearful of intimacy, emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, any kind of intimacy, because you're losing out. You're just completely losing out on something that can be very satisfying. And I don't mean that in a sexual way, although I hope it is there too. But satisfying to your soul, that that connectivity, that there's that one person that I'm 100% safe with. Because if you're afraid of it, if you move away from it, if you won't participate in it, you don't think about it, you lose. Either way, you lose. And who would want to be saying to themselves, okay, great, it's fine for me to lose. So care enough about yourself to think about these things and get some help. And, you know, I've got a lot of stuff for you. And you know that already because I've talked about it on so many programs. But have you been to my YouTube channel? I had somebody last week who wrote to me on a Friday and she said, I have this problem I need to talk to you about. She said, I'm going to spend the weekend reading your blogs and your books and watching your YouTube channel. And on Monday, she wrote to me and she said, you know, I got clear on what I need to do. So we'll talk sometime again. <laughs> so there is a huge amount of resource for you. So the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash for relationship help. If you want to read something, you can read my books. They're all on Amazon. Just just look for Hijackal or uh, put my name in. Um, and also, if you want to read my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackal, then you can go to hijackals.com and get it right there. And then the third thing that you can do is you can engage with me in a small group program or with me privately. So if you want to be in a small group program, go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash groups. And if you'd like to work with me privately, go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash packages. And we can do that. And I'd love to help you because I don't want you to spend another minute without the emotional intimacy that really makes life exciting and worthwhile. And, and that alertness and that aliveness and that vibrancy that you can have when you really know yourself well. You know what your values are. You know what your vision for your life is. You know what your beliefs are about money and people and the world and and spiritual things you know all your beliefs and you know what your goals are right now and when those things are all in alignment you're going to have a great life and that's what i want you to have i want everybody to have that because it's possible and if you're with a hijackal, I particularly want you to notice all of this because you can't have it with a hijackal. Um, and I want to teach you strategies to manage if you think you're going to stay with a hijackal. And I want to teach you how to recognize and have effective ways of communicating, whether you leave them or you co-parent with them or however you manage that. Or maybe it's your parent who's the hijackal. And I want to help you understand all of the underlying beliefs that they gave you about who you are. And they're not true. 
They are not true. And I want you to have a much more uh, open, exciting look at yourself and find out who you are this moment, not who you've been or who someone else has told you. So go to forrelationshiphelp.com. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I am the Relationship Help Doctor. So excited that you're here and hope you will join us every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And until then, talk soon. There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shaler directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.